Well, hello, podcasters. Uh, today's a, a great day to join us. Today, uh, we 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 start a little um, dark. <laughs> just would you say, Pat? Uh, just a tad. Just I a mean, it's a tad dark. Is there any interest in tracking down seven billion dollars or finding out if um, you know our our people are in collusion with another government to throw democracy? And is anybody in the media? Do they really understand that uh, democracy does die in darkness? Because we know the Washington Post doesn't. We have a special tonight on this. We're our part two of our Ukraine special. It's at eight p.m. Eastern. Please join us. You can watch it on YouTube or Facebook for free. But we really ask that you would join us and become a member of the Blaze TV. It's blazetv.com slash Glenn. Blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. You'll save 20 bucks uh, off of your uh, your uh, subscription. We, we also have, I mean, speaking of democracy dying in the darkness and, and the Washington Post, we have Todd McMurtry on. He's the guy who has just argued the case that reopened the trial for um, Nick Sandman. Uh, Nick Sandman uh, is the guy, he's the kid that was, you know, there on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial with the Native American, what's his name, so-and-so Phillips, that was beating the drum in his face. Remember that? Mm-hmm. $250 million lawsuit. It was thrown out by this judge. Todd McMurtry and his uh, team of lawyers came back to the judge and said, yeah, I think you were wrong, and here's why. And that same judge just said, full bore, let's go. All that and more on today's podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. So I need a little pick me up, Stu or Pat. I need a. I need something. Uh, I need something like Al Sharpton. Did you hear? <laughs> did you hear Al Sharpton uh, try to tell the story about Al Baghdadi? I, I I did. You did. I yeah. did. Did you yeah. enjoy it as much as I, I did? I very much yeah. enjoyed it. Uh, so I thought we would. We would lose this. Because I like to get some of the heaviness uh, off of the plate uh, as I prepare for the special tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, uh, let's just play that again. Could we please play the Al, Bagd- Al Baghdadi's uh, audio? President Trump said that because of the killing of Al Baghdadi, Baghdadi that the world is a better place. And Sandwich baggies. I would give credit to he and those that were responsible for it. But we have a lot of work that must still be done in the area of terrorism. Yeah, right. In the same area of the world where Al Baghdadi, Baghdadi was... Where I'll beg a dag, where I'll beg a bones, I'll was begging groceries, Al was begging Beyonce. And let me ask you, why was traffic problems email sent to bag of bones? <laughs> Al Bagnagni. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? How how long have we been talking about Al Baghdadi? It's yeah. 15, 10 years anyway. Yeah, yeah. Surely 10 years. Now, I'm a guy who butchers everybody's name. Everybody's name. 
But I eventually so, you, you, you yeah, learn I do. But I am so happy Al Sharpton <laughs> is too. out there to deflect. Me too, because, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and you know it's coming, too. As soon as he comes to the name Al-Baghdadi, no way he's getting that. No. No, no way. way. No way. No way. We have a couple uh, of other uh, super, super classics from uh, from a guy who clearly is qualified to be on television to tell you the news. <laughs> no question. Go ahead. Go ahead. Play something. All right. Resist. We must. Yes. We must. And, They're all yeah. jitty about a shutdown. The tortoise in the race. Then co-author of Hubris. You two lead singer Bono. Fran Dreischer. Sigonoy Weaver. Suspect. Jahar Sanaev. Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh. The show Rush Lombard hosts Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor. Is Mike, is Mike uh, Muckery yesterday Antonin Antonine Scalia, Kim <laughs> Kardashian, and the Republican candidates, both Cairo oh. and Benghazi. We rank behind Latvia, uh, Lavita. First stop, <laughs> Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan, to college students in Beijing. He's getting lunch at Chipotle in, in Iowa. Maine is appropriate. The GOP's tax day giveaway to millionaires. Why was traffic problems email, email sent? The Environmental <laughs> Projection Agency. And what sequestration has done. Amazing. <coughs> That's what he coughed up, the furball, at the end of the broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> this didn't even have this one. Michael Ziha Michael Ziha Beelzebub. <laughs> Who is that supposed to be? Michael Ziha Beetlejuice. <laughs> it was, uh, remember that, uh, it was Michael Ziha Bebo. It was uh, some terrorist. Uh, I, you know, I've never, I've, <laughs> I, uh, you can't even understand who he's actually trying to say. What did no. he call Kardashian? Did you hear that? That was I did. I, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I mean, it's just it's the one that really. I, I love the fact that he couldn't get a Supreme Court justice's name right, or Rush Limbaugh, or Rush Limbaugh, who's <laughs> been Bog. around for Rush Limbaugh thirty years. <laughs> wow. At, at some point, I remember after he, a, after uh, Maya Angelou, who was a good friend of his, when she died, he couldn't get her name correct. He mess. He mangled her name. Uh, he here's, mangled- wait, wait, wait. Here's here's Kim Kardashian. All right. Kim Kardashian and the Republican. Kim Kardashian. <laughs> he loves Kim Kardashian. Ugh. And then after, uh, I think this was after the death of Aretha Franklin. So in the words of my oh, late friend this. Aretha Franklin, show some R-E-S-P-I-C-T. <laughs> That's a good idea. Respect. Let's, let's do that. It's what? in the lyric of the song. <laughs> no, it's not in the lyric. It's it the is hook. The lyric. Yes. It is the hook of the song. Jeez. It's the main point of the song. Crazy. Oh. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Hey, it's Glenn, and you're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. If you like what you're hearing on this show, make sure you check out Pat Gray Unleashed. It's available wherever you download your favorite podcasts. We go to the one, the only, Nick DiPaolo, comedian, host of the Nick DiPaolo Show. 
You can find him at nickdip.com, nickdip.com. That's where you can see his comedy special. And I I warn you, it it is battery acid on the PC. It is, uh, woo. Don't know how you're standing, but God bless you, Nick. Actually, I'm not. As you can see, I'm sitting. Right, right. It's been an exhausting fight. Right. Uh, As a white, straight male, it's it's a lot tougher. Right. Uh, Dave Chappelle just got the Mark Twain uh, Award, which is our nation's highest honor for comedy, is it not? Uh, I thought it was the Kathy Griffin Award. No, Which was the highest. <laughs> well, no, no it, I uh... don't think. I think that used to be in the last administration. <laughs> uh, so, so he just won this, and and here's what he said. And I can't believe the guy who is standing at the Kennedy Center to be able to get the the Mark Twain Award in today's yeah. climate is asked about PC, and here's what he says: Political correctness has its face, its place. Excuse me. We all want to live in a polite society. We just have to kind of work on the levels and come to an agreement of what that actually looks like. I personally am not afraid of other people's freedom of expression. I don't use it as a weapon. It just makes me feel better, and I'm sorry if I hurt anybody, et cetera, et cetera, yada, yada, yada. Everything I'm supposed to say. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now let me take you to Saturday Night Live and a clip that aired this. I know, I know. A clip that aired this weekend. Listen to this. Yeah, at first I thought Kanye was losing his mind, and now I feel like he's fine. He's just turning into an old white lady. <laughs> I mean, he used to be like one of the coolest black dudes on earth. Now he's showing up to events in sweatpants and orthopedic sneakers, <laughs> listening to Kenny G and trying to get black people to like Trump. It's like, how long before this guy changed his name to Kathy? <laughs> now, you might think that I'm crazy, but about... Five years ago, there was a fella named Bruce Jenner, and he moved to Calabasas. There's a there's no joke there, so it's not funny. It's horribly delivered. He's in trouble. Is it because it was on, I don't know, NBC, and they're supposed to be so woke, or is it because that's just a bad comedian? He's not a bad comedian, actually. Uh, well, bad delivery. Well, when you don't ask an hour week an update, you have writers. I don't know if he wrote that himself. He's delivering somebody else's stuff. But every time we get near the LGBT or trans, it's a big deal. I want that answered. The, you know, the Bilderberg group, is that made up of eight gay guys? Why is it such an issue? <laughs> uh, no, I'm asking. I'm dead serious. <laughs> And, and uh, if you think it's tough for uh, uh, Dave Chappelle or Michael Shade to do that stuff, try being a 57-year-old white guy. Mm-hmm. No, um, I, I can't imagine. I, I really, I, I, I say this with great admiration for your talent. I mean, I, I know who you are. I know who you've written for. I know your career. Uh, and uh, for you to be standing is remarkable. I mean, I, I honestly <laughs> feel like I should do you a favor and never talk about you on the air. Because I'm bringing attention (laughs) to you. I know it's, I mean, I kind of feel bad because I know there's somebody out there going, oh, oh, he's still saying these things, that damn white guy, and he'll go after you. Yeah, but if you're the, if you're the guy that started saying them first, you do get a little credibility. Yeah. I was saying this stuff on uh, Tough Crowd in 2000, 
and, uh, you know, making fun of how white guys are portrayed in commercials in 1995. I was ahead of the curve, but because I look like I'm from Palermo, nobody pays attention. To me. <laughs> you, you do look a little like you could be in a mob movie. Let me just tell you this, one: uh, these gay jokes, are they going to bring your son back to me? So what is, back to you? what is the problem between transsexuals, a transgender, and, uh, and gay people? Why do they not get along? Well, I was in a bathhouse in San Francisco for like two hours last weekend, and I couldn't figure it out. I have no idea. <laughs> because they really don't. I mean, Dave Chappelle even talks about it. Once the T gets into the car, the yes. L's and the G's, they don't yeah. like it. It's like the Jews and the Palestinians, the, the Middle East. It's, uh, it's, 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 so, it's so convoluted. I read these articles on my show. I can't make heads or tail. Uh, uh, I should say tails. Uh, who's upset at who for what? The, the, I think the gays are saying the trannies are giving us a bad rep. Trannies, first of all, that's 1970. Uh, transgender people are giving us a bad rep. It, it, I, I well, don't know. I, have heard, I, I still like women, Glenn. What can I tell yeah, you? I, I've heard from from gay friends who will say this is just th- that just friends? goes to this just goes too far. Just goes too far. We'll wait. What does? I agree if we're talking about, you know, sending them into our libraries and having them. I don't want anybody that even makes kids think about sex. I don't want hot women going in and reading to my son. (laughs) Just stop it. Just stop it. (laughs) Um, He's got enough on his plate. Please just stop it. However, when it comes to I don't understand if you're saying and, and I am everybody should just be who they are. I don't care. I don't care if that's who you want to be. I don't understand how uh, the gay community could have a problem with that. Well, I just did a story on like the the, having drag queens put on shows for middle middle uh, student. Uh, yeah, no, I no, no, no. Kids. I have a problem with that because I have a problem because that is well, tr- that's who the trans are. That's what they do. And um, all, of, I think all of them, they go to middle every school. Every one do, of them. I took really? a poll. <laughs> really? <laughs> the Quinniac poll said wow, 99.9%. I didn't said, know that. Um, I didn't know great, that. Great way to meet kids. Okay. Again, I kid. <laughs> Relax, right. Glenn. I can see you. You're turning red around. No, I'm, no, I'm not. Uh, okay, so let me, <laughs> let me go to the Democrats. The, like yesterday, <laughs> yesterday they. I'd hang with a, I'd hang with a transgender community before I'd hang with the Democrats. <laughs> oh Go my ahead. gosh, I would, I would have them all move in with me before, <laughs> before that. Uh, so the Democrats voted on something we're not really even sure what it is. The impeachment resolution, but it really doesn't do anything. Um, what are your thoughts on on what happened yesterday? But you make a great praise about, uh, a point about the process. I'm watching, like you said, they voted on this thing, but nothing moves forward. And you wonder why nothing gets done in Washington. But even I know, I'm not a legal scholar, obviously, but you, you, you can't be doing all this behind closed doors. The, the Republicans want to see the, uh, I guess there was some testimony, some witnesses yesterday, and, and Schiff wanted me to let them look at that. And and until I know who the original whistleblower was, um, this is all a sham. And uh, yeah, you know, again, Schiff, Schiff said yesterday um, he told the witness the GOP asked a question apparently, and Schiff said, "Don't answer that." Well, wait, 
What's he a lawyer now? He's representing these yeah, people. Apparently, apparently. I mean, it's it's amazing what's going on. And I tell you, that's why people think this is a coup. If you can't put it out in the open, it's it feels like a coup. Well, they're going to televise it eventually, aren't they? They said it's going to be on TV before Thanksgiving. So I don't know what will make me sick of the Detroit Lions offense or Adam Schiff <laughs> on my TV. I think I would go for the, uh, for the Adam Schiff. i go for Adam Schiff. Uh, there's another story out today we haven't had a chance to get to. Former President Barack Obama derided woke political purists and Twitter activists in a speech given Tuesday at the Obama Foundation Summit in Chicago. This idea of purity and you're never compromised and you're politically woke and all of that stuff, you should get over that quickly. That's funny coming from a guy who actually is behind the deep state and the guy that spied on Trump while he was running for president. You can't be more woke than that. So I don't know. Is that ever going to come out, Glenn? Is Devin Nunez and Gowdy and all these guys, uh, Lindsey Graham, who talk a big game, are they ever going to do anything? So you know what? They say to me, because I've talked to a few of the people on Capitol Hill, and they have said to me, Glenn, you know, how do we how do we phrase this? How do we we know what's going on, but how do we do this in a soundbite? Here's how. Is it against the national interest to have somebody look into the loss of $7 billion of your tax dollars? Is it in the national interest for the president to ask somebody to look into our governmental corruption, our foreign agents directly influencing the 2016 election, politicians in the U.S. colluding with a foreign government to steal from the American Treasury? Is it in our national interest to have the unlawful use of U.S. ambassadors embassy personnel, national intelligence agencies, the State Department, in collusion with foreign agencies and NGOs to not only affect the election, but to steal billions of dollars from us. That's how that's how you phrase this. Well, all due respect, what scared me most about that statement is you said they came to you and asked you for advice. <laughs> no, they didn't. No, 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 no. That's what you said, Glenn. That's exactly what you said. <laughs> That's what I said. I'm getting That's nervous. That's what America heard. That's what America <laughs> heard. I heard Nixon used to go to Casey Kasem <laughs> to get his geopolitical. Shut up. <laughs> Nick DiPaolo from NickDip.com back in just a second. First, so uh, uh, Nick DiPaolo is here. Nick, how many times uh, a year are you out on the road? Um, that's a great question. I would say two times. I would say 25. Yeah. Where, where are you out recently? Where, where can people see you? They can see me, uh, Friday and Saturday, November 8th and 9th, the Kansas city comedy club. And, uh, the, the following weekend, the Cortland repertory theater in Cortland, New York, November 15th and November 16th, the comedy Works Saratoga Springs. And uh, I have to mention this. I'm, f- I'm finally doing some gigs in my new home state of Georgia. Oh, you are. Which is, yes. Yuck yucks or uh, milk through your nose? Oh, no, I'm at Skid Marks. <laughs> and, uh, no. <laughs> um, November 22nd, you're way off, Glenn. This is the historic Ritz Theater. Oh, wow. That's Friday, November 22nd. Saturday, November 23rd, the Tiff Theater in Tifton, Georgia. Mm. Uh, and I can't wait. There'll be a lot of trucker hats and tobacco, hopefully. Have you ever played the Roxy in, I'm trying to remember where it is in Pennsylvania. It's the first, it's the original Roxy Theater. Uh, I did a I did a, a show there once, and they used an arc 
spotlight. I mean, when I say it's a, the original, it hasn't changed since it was opened, and they used an arc <laughs> spotlight. And so it was, you know, an arc light. It was burning carbon to light, and it was like the surface of the sun hot. It was like somebody was holding a giant magnifying glass on the sun. I thought it was going to set me on fire. That's how all the lights are, all these places. And so I have a line every time. I use it every time. I, I go, hey, easy with the lights. What am I, a pot plant? And then the sensitive the light guy turns right. it all the way down so yeah. I'm in the dark. And, well, yeah. halfway through my show, the you know, the it's carbon that's burning. And so halfway through the show, <laughs> You're gonna be taxed. it went out. It went out. Just, and then I went, oh, thank God. And the guy went, just a minute. <laughs> He put another one in and lit it back up. It was crazy. And the show was much funnier oh, after he put it on the left. It was. I was at last theater I was at. They wouldn't let me smoke. And I said, are you kidding me? I'm sitting in a, on a broken ladder in the green room with paint buckets <laughs> around me, a fuse box with wire. And there's literally asbestos dripping in my Diet Coke. <laughs> and the guy goes, you can't smoke in here. I said, what are you kidding you guys were shooting porn in this theater like three days ago, <laughs> yeah. but I can't have a cigarette. <laughs> uh, there's, a, uh, there's a new thing going on uh, now, and I just saw this yesterday. Have you seen the OK Boomer stuff? No, I have not. OK, so there's, there's this new, it's a generational war, Nick. Uh, and there's this new uh, thing going on online and also on products. It says OK bo- uh, Boomer have a terrible day or whatever and it's the uh the millennials the millennials taking on the boomers and everybody's immediately going oh look they're just going up there's the end i gotta tell you most boomers despise millennials and have no problem saying it out loud it's not like the the millennials are starting this they're just getting into the game yeah they finally realize that they can push this such not all of them. I, I sort of get, think they get a bad rap, uh, the millennials. But Me they, too. But they are pretty soft, they, but they do get a bad rap. But uh, now I see that 70% of them wouldn't have a problem with socialism in this country. So now I hate every one of them. And uh, <laughs> I, I will push back. I'm, I might be 57. I've had right. 14 shoulder operations. Right. But I will take on... <laughs> Right. Michael Che and his. I, you know what? I friends. think that the ones that I meet, and not all of them, but the ones that I have met, I've I meet a lot of them, who are. Why? Where are you hanging out? It's creeping me out, Glenn. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to say. Uh, <laughs> at least at this time, and not under yeah. oath. Um, the uh, uh, the thing that I see in millennials is that when you when you stop talking the usual political bullcrap. Right. They listen and they want to learn. Not not all of them, obviously, but they want to learn. They've never heard this stuff before. Well, <laughs> that's, they, that's right. Yeah, nobody's teaching them anything. Nobody's teaching them how to even think. They're just being taught what to think, and they know that's crap. Some of them do, and uh, but you're right. Right when they get to pre-K, from pre-K to college, they're being brainwashed yeah. with this left-wing uh, horse crap. So yeah, some of them do enjoy to hear the truth, but uh, were you, you know, were you any different, Nick? Were you? I any was different? very different. Were you? Yes. Yeah, I was. Yeah, how are, I, was how are trans- you I was transgender in 1976. <laughs> really? I was breaking the mold up at the University of Maine. <laughs> no, I I, uh, I must have been different. I I grew up in Boston. 
I went to school, University of Maine, and then I've spent the last 25 years in L.A. and New York, and I have these attitudes like I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama, so right. I, I guess I am <laughs> I got to tell I you, though, I I, when I was 30 before, I so literally sobered up and realized I don't know anything. I'm an idiot. Oh, what were you, what were you drinking when you were? Well, it made you so numb to what was going on. Well, the Maker's Mark. I could Mark. use some Maker's of that Mark. now. So it was, <laughs> I know, I oh, wasted. Oh, Maker's Mark. Maker's Mark and uh, Jack Daniels. It was great. Holy moly. Yeah, no, it was great. And you still have I a nice head of hair and yeah. you look healthy. <laughs> I know. It's it's unbelievable. I'm probably dead in 15 minutes, but uh, it no, was. No, I can tell. It was... you, you have a nice palate. Well, actually, you do look like dead Kennedy. It was circa five okay. years ago. So. <laughs> All right, I don't think we need to go there uh uh nick nick DiPaolo, you can uh, find him online at nickdip.com watch his comedy special uh it is uh it is very raw and very funny nick dip thank you so much nick appreciate it glenn you're the best thank you, you sir. Bet. nickdip.com this is the best of the glenn beck program Hey, it's Glenn, and if you like what you hear on the program, you should check out Pat Gray Unleashed. His podcast is available wherever you download your favorite podcast. Hi, it's Glenn. If you're a subscriber to the podcast, can you do us a favor and rate us on iTunes? If you're not a subscriber, become one today and listen on your own time. You can subscribe on iTunes. Thanks. Todd McMurtry is an experienced trial attorney, Harvard-trained mediator, He's an active member uh, of the Board of Governors for the Kentucky Bar Association. He's formerly the president of the Northern Kentucky Bar Association, board member of the uh, Northern Kentucky Volunteer uh, Lawyers. This guy looks to be a guy I wouldn't want to see across for me if I were the Washington Post. Uh, but he is here to tell us exactly what happened on Monday in the Nick Sandman case against the Washington Post. Todd, welcome to the program. Go ahead and good to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So, so why uh, did the judge? Why did the judge throw this away? Throw this out in the first place in July. The judge's initial ruling on the case uh, suggested that uh, he said that everything that the Washington Post had published uh, was basically an opinion or not related to Nick Sandman. And so when there were statements like the students were, were mocking, he, he said that's not related to Nick Sandman. When uh, Nathan Phillips, when the Post reported that Nathan Phillips said I was blocked and, and they prevented me from retreating, uh, the judge said that that was an opinion. And so what, what we did, and my co-counsel in this case is Lynn Wood out of Atlanta. Lynn and I looked at this, and, and we said that there was some opportunity here to provide some additional information that might uh, change the judge's thinking. So we did that. We provided some additional video, which showed more fully what happened. We provided uh, statements about uh, Nathan Phillips being basically a professional protester and mm -hmm. a provocateur, and we said that the Washington Post should not have taken his statements at face value that he was an unreliable person and that they negligently republished a false factual narrative. And uh, uh, that, that's, that was persuasive. Uh, the court's order came out uh, just, just the other day, and uh, we're off to a conference on December 3rd to uh, push the case ahead. 
Well, how can how can somebody say that? Well, he wasn't talking about Nick Sandman when he became the face of it. For instance, if I say, you know, the brave protesters in Tiananmen Square, I don't mean just the guy who stood in front of the tank, but he's the guy we all think of. Now, we didn't see his face. We don't know his identity, but they've concentrated on his face. He is the face. The civil rights movement wasn't only Martin Luther King, but Martin Luther King was the image that we saw all the time. So how can this not how can this not be defamation of him? Well, with reg- it is defamation, and the, and the court, with regard to some of those statements, is going to allow us to proceed. With regard to the others, we don't agree with the court's ruling in every aspect, um, and, and that's why the judge struck some of those statements. So that's an issue we'll have to address later. I would agree with you. I think there's good law that, that says that you're right and I'm right, but right now we're just happy to be uh, proceeding with the case. Does it help, Todd, that the—well, I don't know about the Washington Post, but other outlets I know— even after they found out who Phillips was, they dismissed all of that and still tried to make Nick look like the bad kid. Correct. It it does help with the other cases because the same analysis would apply. And we went into the other lawsuits and amended those to, to make them similar to the, the Washington Post uh, case, which the judge is now not dismissed. And so we would expect that, that we'll get the same result, but we'll see. Um, and you're right. I mean, uh, plenty of other news outlets. Uh, I mean, the Washington Post has issued a editor's note on some of their uh, reporting, but uh, CNN and NBC have, have uh, never retracted. So we have seen that problem as well. How how confident are you in this in this case? Because this this case could really change reporting, I think, in a good way. Um, you know, they all had the same access that that I had and others had, and they wanted this story to be true, and so they made it true. Uh, how confident are you, and what do you think the ramifications will be if you win? Well, we're, of course, confident. We're all investing an enormous amount of time and effort into this case, and we wouldn't do that if we didn't feel that we had a, a legitimate, strong case. Uh, I think that the case, when it's ultimately presented to a jury, is going to be very persuasive, even with the limitations that the court has, has placed on some of our allegations. And with regard to the effect that this case could have, well, it could protect people like Nicholas Sandman, who are you know, private figures from being attacked and ravaged by the media in the way that he was by basically sending out a, a strong warning that if you're going to attack minors or private individuals and use them as a tool in a, you know, in, in a d- debate or a culture war, an attack on a president, whatever it may be, that you better think twice. So we certainly would hope that we can uh, generate change in the process of bringing these lawsuits. What's Nick's life been like since this? Well, Nick was 16 uh, and a junior in high school when this happened. Uh, he's now 17, and he's a senior in high school. I mean, his his time at school is going well, but there's there's no doubt that there have been you know many things that have happened to him uh, over the past 10 months or so that are have been very negative. And there's no doubt that when a person like Nick Samman goes out in public, people know who he is. Everywhere I've been with him, people know who he is. And so he's, you know, constantly concerned about running into the wrong person out there. So uh, what is his college? An unfortunate fact. What is his college admittance going to be like? 
What is his life on a college campus in today's world going to be like? Well, my my uh, son's a little bit older than Nick, and and he uh, two years ago had a plate of French fries thrown on him for wearing a Make America Great Again hat at his college. Um, I would think that uh, that college life for a person with that reputation is is going to be a challenge. Uh, as for college admissions, we don't know. He's applying. We'll see how that goes. Todd, we wish you well. Um, how are the cases against uh, NBC and CNN and others going? Those cases are they're currently pending on motions to dismiss, and we're just in the briefing process of those. Uh, we've substantially completed that, so I think everything's in front of the judge now, and he'll be issuing a ruling that we hope will be favorable for the same reasons that the Washington Post uh, recent ruling was favorable. Our uh, prayers are with you. Thank you so much, Todd, and best to uh, the Sandmans. Appreciate it. Glenn, thank you so much. Todd McMurtry. Uh, Murtry, um, you can follow him or find him at Todd McMurtry law.com is it the sand mans or is it the sand men sand it's the sand mans did i say this no yeah. i'm i'm just wondering you said the sand mans i, I was thinking yeah, I think maybe it should man. be sand men no i don't uh, but i don't think not. that's the way maybe it, not no i don't think that's the way it works exactly but thank huh. you for that all right uh, yeah thank you for that tip mm-hmm. uh, appreciate it happy to help this is the best of the glenn beck program Like listening to this podcast? If you're not a subscriber, become one now on iTunes. And while you're there, do us a favor and rate the show. Okay, so I want to play a couple of pieces of audio for you from the same day. Here's former President Obama dismissing the woke culture as politically ineffective. Listen. This idea of purity and you're never compromised and you're always politically woke and all that stuff. You should get over that quickly. The world, the world is messy. There are ambiguities. People who do really good stuff have flaws. Like if I tweet or hashtag about how you didn't do something right or used the word wrong verb or then... I can sit back and feel pretty good about myself because, man, you see how woke I was? I called you out. <laughs> you know, that's not, that's not activism. That, that's not bringing about change. Ah. Hmm. Oh, really? Huh. Hmm. Coming from him, that's pretty interesting. Well, he's kind of in the hot seat now because he wasn't pure enough. So uh, uh-huh, the, right. The group of people that he right. first corralled uh, realized that he was a not a true believer, so he was he's he betrayed only, the revolution. He's only like eighty percent Marxist. Yeah, he had a few tendencies that right. led him down the wrong road. Okay, so uh, Obama uh, talking about activism uh, says you got to stop with the woke culture because it's politically ineffective. <laughs> and then Michelle Obama says this: I can't make people of not afraid of black people. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I can't explain what's happening in your head. But maybe if I show up every day as a human, a good human, doing wonderful things, loving my family, loving your kids, taking care of things that I care about, maybe, just maybe, that work will pick away at the scabs of your discrimination. She's flat out racist. That's racist. 
Well, wait a minute. What do you mean you can't? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I can't make people not afraid of white people. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on. I can't explain what's happening <clears throat> in your head. But maybe if I <clears throat> show up every day as a human, a good human, doing <clears throat> good things, loving your kids. Well, maybe just maybe that will work to pick away at the scabs of your discrimination. <laughs> See, I think this works both ways. It does. I think it works both ways. I, I, you know, I can't, I can't make people not afraid of black people. Well, yeah, you can, you can, you can help, you can help by not attacking all white people, by not saying that all white people are bad, by not saying, and 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 being more like your husband was saying, but not necessarily doing, but like your husband said. You know, every time you make a mistake, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just makes you feel better. But mm-hmm. it doesn't make it doesn't help anything. It doesn't help anything. So you reuse the wrong term. You don't understand. If you're wanting to be a good human, you're like, hey, dude, that's cool. I mean, I understand. But that that's, that, that word is like 1950. <laughs> so, you know, I want to just sorry. without any kind mm-hmm. of accusation, without anything else, just be cool with one with one another and the same thing goes with white people towards black people but right now we are in reverse discrimination and even that is proof of it because you're saying there is no such thing as reverse discrimination because of the hierarchy that doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense if we all are created equal and we're all the same. Then you should two wrongs don't make a right. But maybe that's maybe that's just me. Uh, here is Bloomberg on the Democratic primary field. Listen to this. It's just X number of months later, nothing's changed. You know, I, I have my reservations about the people running and the way they're campaigning and the, the promises they're making that they can't fulfill and their unwillingness to really uh, admit what they what is possible and what isn't and their inconsistency from day to day and location and location. This is not the ways to run a railroad. This country is in real trouble. We need somebody to pull people together. And when they say, I'm not going to talk to somebody from across the aisle, this is our country. What do you mean you're not going to talk to somebody from across the aisle? We've got to work together. And I don't see that. What a uniter. What a uniter. And I love the way he Mm. talks about, you know, there's no way to run a railroad. Last politician that talked about the railroads working was Mussolini, but I digress. Uh, Listen to this. Here's a reporter talking about how Trump is actually a recruitment agent for ISIS. Listen to this. He's a recruiting sergeant for ISIS, Chris, in so many ways. Tony mentioned the whole oil argument, which has obviously been a narrative for a long time. He also is someone who is an Islamophobe, which obviously helps groups like ISIS recruit disillusioned, angry young men from across the world, not just from across the Middle East. Uh, He's featured. He's been featured in ISIS recruiting videos, and his Muslim ban has definitely been a recruiting ad for ISIS. So in many ways, he helps, uh, quote, unquote, the enemy. Okay. Um, Now, how is it? How is it that... It is our presence in the Middle East that is the recruiting arm of ISIS. Our presence there mm-hmm. makes them want to go fight us. So here you have a president 
who just doesn't just say I'm going to get out of the Middle East, actually has been shutting things down actively. Uh, and he's the recruiting person. Yeah. He's he's like, get the hell out of there. I don't want anything to do with it. It's a really good point. I mean, how is that possible? Um, by the way, a recruit, a recruiting poster. He's the guy. He people want to join ISIS because we almost wiped all of them out. <laughs> yeah, I want to sign up because the bombs are coming now. Yeah, and it's not like they weren't. They weren't pissed at us before, but now they are. Now they are. Now yeah. they are now because they are. because Trump said some colorful things about the way one of them died. Oh, I can't take that. I can't take yeah. that. I cannot take the fact. Of course he said that. Mm-hmm. Of course he said that. And of course, I, I mean, did anybody really think that al-Baghdadi was doing that? Why did, why did President Bush always call Saddam Hussein Saddam? The first President Bush. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think that was H.W., wasn't it? Uh, well, they both. I, I think they both did it. George but W. I know too. George H.W. Yeah. did, yeah. but I think it was it, both of them. It seems to me that that was an insult. It's an insult. Yeah. Saddam Hussein is an insult. It's Saddam Hussein. So it wasn't because I remember people going, he doesn't even know how to pronounce the name. He <laughs> did, did it intentionally. Mm-hmm. What do you think that. Oh, he was whimpering. He died like a dog in a tunnel. A oh, coward. That, he's making fun of dogs. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Jeez. He's sowing the seeds of doubt. And I love mm. the fact that the press was like, well, we went to the Pentagon to find out if there was any footage of that and him crying. Now the latest is Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel came out on Monday, and yeah. the White House is now asking for an apology. Well, he just flat out lied. Lied. Made it up. Yeah, he said, basically he said, the president was out golfing, and he wasn't even there. It's he wasn't even there. And they didn't tell him because they were afraid that he was going to tweet about it. Uh, no, Jimmy, no, he was there. He was there. He actually went as far as to say as that those pictures of President Trump watching it that that was a photo op. That was a setup photo taken later. Wow. I mean, they didn't wow. say anything about Barack Obama literally, verifiably going upstairs and playing cards with an intern because he couldn't watch what was going on when they were killing Osama bin Laden. He would come down from time right. to time and then he'd be like, oh, I can't watch this. And so he would go upstairs and play cards. Okay. Yeah, with his with his basketball buddy. Right? Yeah, was it basketball buddy? Yeah, I it, knew it was somebody. that yeah. was like, uh huh. You, you went up and played uh, yeah. cards. Your troops are on the line, and you're playing cards because you're such a girl. <laughs> and I no offense to twelve year old girls, because most twelve year old girls could handle what <laughs> they were seeing in the Situation Room. So I don't mean twelve year old <laughs> girls. Maybe eight year old girls, because after all, isn't that the little pink bike and the helmet that he was. <laughs> oh, gosh, he was such an embarrassment. Oh. The Blaze Radio Network. On Demand.